Would you open God's precious holy word to Leviticus 26? Hey, we only have one more chapter in Leviticus after tonight. Blessings and cursings. Frederick the Great of Prussia once asked his court preacher, tell me or say to me in one word how the Bible is true. The court preacher quickly responded, Jew. They have been preserved even though they have been through periods of blessing and cursing, punishment. Tonight is a review of that. There's a, there's a, a little more extensive um, account of this in Deuteronomy. But we're not in Deuteronomy. We're in Leviticus. So we'll see what Leviticus says about it. Remember, they're not in the land yet. They're on their way. But they're not there yet. Deuteronomy is just a repeating of what's already been said. But Moses adds some of his preaching points, like a sermon uh, in parts of that. It's not the case here. This is just the way the Lord gives it to Moses. So this is, this is Yahweh dealing with his peculiar people. For the last many chapters, it has had to do with their holiness, the holiness code, their, their behavior. Now in Leviticus 26, it is, it is a concrete truth that even though they are not there, and they have no idea what it looks like, they will be in the land that is the land of promise. I told you sometime back, I think, that when it comes to the covenant between Yahweh and Israel, it is both the people and the land. Those two entities go together uh, completely. So that through that, Yahweh would prove himself to be God, the Most High, El Elyon, to the rest of the nations. It was the design, of course, that the people of God would reveal God to the rest of the world. And this is where Israel ultimately failed. God revealed himself to the other nations by the way he blessed miraculously his people through the time of their history in the land in the Old Testament. But by the time we get to the gospel accounts, of course, the Jews are completely turned inward and they're filled with pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. And so everybody else is a dog. 
The half Jew is a dog. The Gentile is a dog. Can't eat with them. Don't want to don't be too close to them. You know, talk about social distancing. This was religious distancing, I guess, back in those days. They didn't want to touch anything that the Gentiles or the Samaritans had touched. So through human arrogance and turning inward rather than outward, obviously they failed. And of course now the church has the great commission to reveal God to the world. In leading them to the land, God tells them that if they obey, they will be blessed. If they disobey, they will be punished progressively until finally with the last progression. I think there's six stages here of, of progressive punishment. I believe I'm right. Um, and the final one is expulsion from the land. Well, we know how far that went, right? So let's look and consider the blessings of obedience as Yahweh had given this instruction to the Israelites. And we have the privilege of living in this day where we can look back on the history of the Jew and we can see how historically everything here has been worked out. All right, the blessings of obedience. Now he starts out in the first couple of verses referencing the early part of the law. Now the law is divided into two parts. First four commandments have to do with man's relationship with God. The last six, man's relationship with man. So here we're talking about how they relate to God. You shall not make idols for yourselves, nor shall you set up a statue or a monument, a graven image it would be called, for yourselves. And in your land you shall not place a pavement stone on which to prostrate yourselves, for I am Yahweh your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and fear my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. So this is the foundation that's laid, drawing upon the general spirit of the first four commandments, really, uh, how God's people deal with God, how the, how the relationship goes, and how God's people, of course, are to reverence God. If these, if the general spirit, if the general direction, instruction in verses one and two are followed, there'll be blessings. If they are not followed, there will be progressive punishment until the final punishment, the expulsion from the land that is so special in the covenant. We'll see here in this passage that the land just won't work for anybody else. Only works for Israel. So let's look at it now. Verse three, if you follow my statutes and observe my commandments and perform them, and here goes this list of blessings. I will give you your rains in their time. The land will yield its produce and the tree of the field will give forth its fruit. So everything will be productive. 
Your threshing will last until the vintage and the vintage will last until the sowing and you will eat your food to satisfaction, to satiety. And you will live in security in your land. You'll be secure. You won't be bothered by enemies. I'll see to it. This is the promise of Yahweh. And I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down, uh, you will lie down with no one to frighten you. You'll go to bed and you won't be scared. Now look, grant peace in the land also means that within the borders, the people will not be restless. They'll be prosperous. They'll be happy. There won't be any cause for restlessness. Uh, so they won't turn on one another. They won't have riots in the streets and, and all these kinds of things. And you won't have to fear for your life when you go to bed. There'll be peace in the land. And you won't have to worry about uh, the other armies outside the boundary. No army will pass. I will remove wild beasts from the land and no army will pass through your land. You will pursue your enemies and they'll fall by the sword before you. Five of you will pursue a hundred. A hundred of you will pursue 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. This is the power of God. That is the blessing upon his people. So what do we want in a land where we live? We, 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 we want a land where we can live in security, where we can have the opportunity for prosperity, and we can go to bed at night unafraid of what might happen while we're asleep. That's the blessings of God. Those are the blessings of God. And the land itself will produce what you want it to produce. I remember hearing this on the news because I thought it was funny at the time. LBJ was president. Were you all born then? I don't know. And his brother, <laughs> it was just a, his brother was just a beer drinking redneck guy from Texas and he didn't care what he said, how he looked. And the news media caught up with him one time. LBJ was introducing this great society, uh, civil rights, government intrusion, all these rules and new taxes and Medicare and everything. So there was, there was this, this growth, this unusual growth of government unlike at any other time during the presidency of LBJ. And so they caught up to this old boy on his rocking in his rocker on his porch. And they asked him between his sips of whatever, paps, blue ribbon, I guess, whatever. They asked him this question. What do you think of your brother's pursuit of more government? He stopped rocking. He put his beer down to the side. And he looked at that guy and he said, I want the government to do two things for me. Defend my shores and deliver my mail. And that's all. I'll never forget the interview. <laughs> so vote for me. Um, no. There is a, uh, uh, 
there is an, an untold blessing to live in a land of peace and security where you can go to sleep at night and you're not going to worry about foreign armies taking your life over and enslaving you the next day or next week, taking over everything that you have, what you've worked for, that you can go to bed at night not worrying that, that thugs and criminals will rule the night and will break into your house and take everything and, and ravage the members of the household and walk off unpunished. That's a great blessing. It's a blessing to know that you have vast productive land that will get the rain in the appropriate amount at the right season and that land will produce abundantly and there'll be enough for people to eat and not just that, but we're going to see enough for them to lay some, to lay some by and just have plenty, a land of plenty. This is a blessing such that if there is a threat, you can take a handful of soldiers and defeat an army. The 318 trained servants of Abraham defeated Keterleomer, four armies, just 318 of them. The spirit of Yahweh was on them. So all of these things are in the, under the control of Yahweh. Thus, the list of blessings continue. And I will turn towards you. And I will make you fruitful and increase you. I will set up my covenant with you. And here it is that you'll have enough to lay by. You will eat very old produce and you will clear out the old from before uh, the new. You will have plenty, plenty to lay aside and to have in store. Therefore, for your use, I'll make it so, Yahweh says. And I will place my dwelling in your midst. My spirit will not reject you. I will be with you. I will walk among you and I will be your God. And you will be my people. I am Yahweh, your God. Who took you out of the land of Egypt from being slaves to them. And I broke the pegs of your yoke and led you upright. This is the list of blessings and frankly a culture, a society, a nation could not ask to be any richer than that. You see if you have enough to lay aside. Then you have enough also to trade with others. And you have this, you have this positive uh, trade amount. You have, you have more than they have. So not only you'll have what you have, but in the production of what you've produced, you'll have enough to take some of what they have and you'll be further enriched and made more prosperous because of the blessing and presence of Yahweh, the blessing and presence of Yahweh, which comes if you just obey his word. All right. But there's another side to this. And that would be the punishments for disobedience, the cursing, the blessings 
and the cursings. But if you do not listen to me and do not perform all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes and reject my ordinances, what does that mean for us today? If you reject my word and you despise it, you misuse it, abuse it, or don't use it at all. Not performing any of my commandments, thereby breaking my covenant, then I too will do the same to you. I will order upon you shock, consumption, fever, and diseases that cause hopeless longing and depression. Well, that's, that's bad, isn't it? You will sow your seed in vain and your enemies will eat it. What used to be a positive flow of trade for you will become a negative flow of trade for you. And your enemies will feed on your riches and they'll take it away. And disease will come upon you and make you and give you a sense of hopelessness and put you into depression. And nothing that you do will succeed if you don't obey my word. And I will set my attention against you and you will be smitten before your enemies. Your enemies will rule over you and you will flee, but no one will be pursuing you. And if during these you will not listen to me, see that's stage one. Then I will add another seven punishments for your sins. Here comes stage two. I'll break the pride of your strength and make your skies like iron and your land like copper. Drought, famine. Your strength will be expended in vain and your land will not yield its produce. Neither will the tree of the earth give forth its fruit. And if you treat me as happenstance, if I'm nothing to you, just something along the way and you do not wish to listen to me, I will add seven punishments corresponding to your sins. Here is the next stage of punishment. I will incite the wild beasts of the field against you and they will bereave you, utterly destroy your livestock and diminish you and your roads will become desolate. You won't have the means to travel Travel will not be easy anymore. Your livestock will be in danger of wild beasts. And if through these you will still not be chastised to return to me, and if you continue to treat me happenstance, then I too will treat you like nothing. And I will again add seven punishments for your sin. Here's the next stage of punishment. I will bring upon you an army that avenges the avenging of a covenant. And you will gather into your cities. I will incite the plague in your midst. And you'll be delivered into the enemy's hands. When I break for you the staff of bread and ten women will bake your bread in one oven. And they will bring back your bread by weight and you will eat yet not be satisfied. There's just nothing there for you. And if despite this, you still do not listen to me, 
still treating me as happenstance. I will treat you with a fury of happenstance, adding again seven chastisements for your sin. Here comes the next stage. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters you will eat. Your babies will become meaningless to you. And you'll destroy them. This was, of course, literally fulfilled. Back in the day, Elisha, wasn't it? The women were boiling their babies and eating them. So hungry. They were eating bird drop soup. Killing their babies. As a convenience. It's a curse. Such an attitude, such a spirit, that's a curse from God. I will demolish your edifices, cut down your sun idols, the, the structures that make you proud and fill you with pride. I'll cut them down. I will make your corpses fall upon the corpses of your idols and my spirit will reject you. I will lay your cities waste. Make your holy places desolate and I will not partake of your pleasant fragrances. I will give your cities over to ruin. Crime. Violence. And I will not partake of your pleasant fragrances. I'll make the land desolate so that it will become desolate also of your enemies who live in it. Your enemies come. And they'll live there consuming everything that you have worked so hard for. And this is the end of it. I will scatter you among the nations and I will unsheathe the sword after you. Your land will be desolate. Your cities will be laid waste. You will be dispersed among the nations and you will be hated and they will unsheathe the sword after you and your land without the people will become desolate. The cities will collapse, be laid waste and they will fall. Now, here's what God says. Because you didn't do what you should have done that the land might be strong. I'll take you out of the land. Then the land will be appeased regarding its sabbaticals. During all the days that it remains desolate while you are in the land of your enemies, the land will rest and thus appease its sabbaticals. It will rest during all the days that it remains desolate. Whatever it had not rested on your sabbaticals when you lived upon it, that is God will extract what he had commanded when the people had become disobedient. And those of you who survive, I will bring fear in their hearts in the lands of their enemies and the sound of a rustling leaf will pursue them. They will flee as one flees the sword and they will fall, but there will be no pursuer. Each man will stumble over his brother fleeing as if from the sword, but without a pursuer. You will not be able to stand up against your enemies. You will be powerless. You'll be dispersed among the nations and 
They will enslave you. They will rule over you. And God is essentially saying, when I have withdrawn my presence and my spirit from you, you'll be afraid of even a leaf that flutters. The slightest noise will make you afraid because of who you are in a land where you don't belong because of your disobedience and the punishment that you have brought upon yourself. You will become lost among the nations. The land of your enemies will consume you. And because of their iniquity, those of you who survive will rot away in the lands of your enemies. Moreover, they will rot away because the iniquities of their fathers are still within them. Then God gives good news. God remembers those who repent. Then they will confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, their betrayal that they dealt me, and they also treated me as happenstance. Now that's, that's in a coming day. Not too far away, I think. The prophet will put it like this. They will look upon the one whom they pierced. And there will be wailing and weeping and mourning and grieving as they cry out in repentance and finally turn to the Lord. They'll still be weak until that time comes. Then I too will treat them as happenstance and bring them back while in the land of their enemies. If then their clogged heart becomes humbled, then their sufferings will gain appeasement for their iniquity. And I will remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and, I, and also my covenant with Abraham. And I will remember and I will remember the land for the land will be bereft of them, appeasing its sabbaticals when it had been desolate of them, and they will gain appeasement for their iniquity. This was all in retribution for their having despised my ordinances and in retribution for their having rejected my statutes. But despite all this, while they are in the land of their enemies, I will not despise them nor will I reject them to annihilate them, thereby breaking my covenant that is with them, for I am Yahweh, your God. Now this is why the court preacher said to Frederick the Great in Prussia, Jew, that's the one word that proves the Bible. Ever since their existence, the nations of the world have sought their destruction even today. Latest news. The word is that Iran has the enriched uranium. They have all of the other parts. All they have to do is put together this bomb. And they have sworn to destroy Israel with that bomb. That was yesterday on the news. So... I have news for those people. I will not annihilate them. It won't happen. 
I will remember them. I will remember for them the covenant made with the ancestors whom I took out of the land of Egypt before the eyes of the nations to be their God to them. I am Yahweh. These are the statutes, the ordinances, and the laws that Yahweh gave between himself and the sons of Israel on Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. Now in 46 verses of one chapter, you and I, before it ever happened, have seen the progression, regression, and restoration, the history of Israel and the Jewish people. We're on the precipice of the complete restoration. Already been, they've already been coming back into the land. But they come back into the land in unbelief. What is it? Ezekiel 36 where the bones are connected and there's muscle tissue. There's skin but there is no spirit. Not until this God breathes his spirit into that regathered nation will they live and they will live and see his coming and they will repent and the Bible says all Israel will be saved. So I joined that court preacher. If anyone asks, how can you tell me the Bible is true? In one word, Jew. That's sufficient. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. All right. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word, the truth of it, and the power that you demonstrate and exercise in the nations of men. Oh God, help us with the presence of your Holy Spirit to read your word, to believe it, and obey it. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.